This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Bored of too many ads and dull, meaningless chat? We've got neither. Joy Drive. Smart, fun radio. Gender, sexuality and pop culture. There isn't much Lauren Rosewarne doesn't know. And if she doesn't, we'll make it up. Lauren Rosewarne, I was going to play that and then introduce you. I just can't believe it. (laughs) I thought let's just break convention for a little little Just break convention through caution to the wind. (laughs) That's right. Let me just talk over my intro. That's right. Just ruin it all. Bradley Cooper, he's been mocked on uh, social media after tearing up during an interview about the film Maestro, in which he plays composer Leonard Bernstein. Now, um, why is the internet in uproar over someone showing some tears about someone? Yeah. So I think Bradley Cooper was already in a bit of a bind with this role because Mm -hmm. uh, for a few months people have been talking about different aspects of his performance, including the use of prosthetics. I think you and I had a chat about this a Mm. couple of months ago. Uh, Bradley Cooper's not Jewish. Leonard Bernstein was Jewish. Uh, To look the part, he wore a nose prosthetic. And this was considered quite controversial, even though he had the permission of Leonard Bernstein's family. So flash forward now, the film's been on Netflix for a couple of months already. Uh, He was doing an interview on one of those Sunday morning shows that they have in the United States, and he was sitting with Leonard Bernstein's kids, and I think that's an important point of Mm. this uh, story, because the interviewer asked uh, uh, Bradley Cooper whether he felt like he missed Leonard Bernstein. Now, I imagine you could take that question a number of different ways. I think if you'd put a number of years into a role, and uh, Bradley Cooper had been working on that film since 2018. So it's a lot of big chunk of your life to spend sort of trying to channel one person. You could kind of see you could take it as miss the role, you know. Do you Mm. miss, for example, the struggle? But he seemed to interpret it as miss the person. Now, he teared up when he was asked. Leonard Bernstein died in 1990, which makes, you know, Bradley Cooper would have been about 10 years old at the time, a little bit younger. So that idea of whether he can miss Leonard Bernstein has been debated online and whether there's something distinctly inappropriate about him shedding tears in front of Leonard Bernstein's kids, who are the ones who are perhaps perceived to have the most grief for their father. But what's wrong with someone showing some emotion? Obviously, it doesn't look fake to me. It looks like genuine emotion. So what's what's wrong with someone showing emotion? I mean, if he has invested so much time into learning about Leonard and then he's with the family, I mean, that's quite an emotional situation to be surrounded by them. Well, this comes back to that question of whether you can mourn a celebrity and whether celebrity grief is real or performance in the sense that, you know, pick a celebrity where there's been a massive Mm. outpouring of grief. Is that grief and is it the same grief as you necessarily, necessarily feel when someone you know in real life has died? I think it's a blurry concept anyway because it starts to get into that territory of what does a relationship mean to you in the sense of think about and there's lots of research on people who have very close relationships with someone they've met online friendship or romantic and have never met them in person 
if that person exits your life, you're going to feel grief, even if you've not had a mm. flesh and blood relationship with them. And I think this sort of raises those questions for me about whether people are looking at Bradley Cooper as an actor and therefore judging him as acting his grief or performing grief that's not genuine versus this other question of do we buy into the idea that as a culture we can grieve famous people even if we didn't have a personal relationship with them because the idea of observing them enjoying their works or in Bradley Cooper's case, channeling them through performance is enough to constitute a kind of relationship that you mourn when it ends. Lauren, when I saw, um, when Whitney Houston died, I was really sad. You know, I loved her, loved her so much. Yeah. And uh, when I saw her mo- the movie and uh, I was crying in the movie, feeling sad for her because... I loved her music. I felt like it was a loss. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think for me, maybe what I've honed in on is um, a, a, as a cis male, it, it takes a lot of unlearning from all the conditioning mm. that we have had imposed on us to be able to cry. And I think it's a brave thing to do, especially in public. And, you know, I, it's taken me years. I love crying. I'll cry at anything. You, um, Something that sets me off on TV is when I see people, they're doing animal You're lucky rescues. I don't because you talked over my intro and I could have been in <laughs> you tears. You could have been in tears. <laughs> I was in tears because I mucked it up. But people who, who, who look after animals, for example, I just see them on TV and I get tears running down my eyes straight away. And it's not a grief, I suppose. It's just an emotion. And I like people when they show their emotions. And I think this is where, because we have a limited vocabulary in the sense of we think of someone talking about someone who's died and Mm. automatically call it grief or mourning, I think really narrows the interpretation of what might be going on there. For example, when the Queen died, I'm not interested in the royal family. The Queen, though, had been the only Queen we'd had. Mm. And she died two weeks different from my own grandmother, who was basically the same age. So that idea, the events will always be coupled in my mind. And I think when people grieve celebrities or cry over celebrity deaths, it's never a singular thing they're crying about. In the sense, I think we often bring in emotions from our own lives and our own experiences of what it's like when you lose somebody. Mm. And that comes into the feeling at that moment when there's a sort of high profile celebrity death we're feeling emotional for a whole lot of other things as well that that moment becomes a catalyst or spark for equally though i think it's also okay to feel the loss of you know you said whitney houston and the contribution she made to your life but also just the idea that this is someone you felt a connection to that is now gone i mean i've cried at the end of a television series i really loved right Mm. does that i didn't have a relationship with the television or or (laughs) cry at the end of a book and it's not necessarily always because somebody dies it's because something's ended and i think that idea of a tv series you really loved ending or a book there's also that idea of closure being you know we talk about closure in the sense of moving on there's also the crying of something ending we're chatting with Associate Professor Lauren Rosewarn from the University of Melbourne about whether we can mourn someone who we've never met. What about, um, I mean, isn't it coming, doesn't it come down to empathy, though? And in this case, like, you know, he, he might be sitting with the kids and talking about Leonard and there's a bit of empathy there and maybe that can set off some crying sometimes. 
Yeah, well, which I think we've all had experiences of going to a funeral for somebody, somebody mm. we weren't close to, but we're upset because we yeah. are close to their kids or their family members. And this is for me, I, you know, Children's Hospital Appeals, for example, and all that kind of footage. It's their parents who I'm crying yeah. for. Not that I'm not feeling awful for the kids, of course, but it's also that feeling of what must this be like for that person. And we don't know. I think this often happens, particularly in something I'm quite interested in, is crime reporting, where we'll often, for example, make assumptions based on emotions or lack thereof, particularly for men, and draw conclusions that must mean he did it or he didn't do it, as though we know what that presentation instinctively means. And I think this is one of those things as well. We assume the tears are either grief or or performance, could it not also be, as you hinted, the idea that he's actually feeling like the people he's sitting next to, he's, who he's obviously developed a relationship with, to have sign-off on the film to begin with, that they have lost a massive presence in their life too. Is uh, like, Can grief be, I suppose, collective in the sense of, you know, a public figure does die and, uh, you know, the whole population starts to mourn it and you may not necessarily know or follow that person or thought anything of them, but because everyone's in that mourning phase, you sort of start to feel that way as well? And I think the death of Princess Diana is a yeah. classic example of that where, uh, you know, we, we kind of think of Tony Blair's prime ministership being made through that event because he was able to speak to a grief that the Queen couldn't. Now, there's many reasons as to why the Queen isn't going, didn't go on television crying and those kind of things, and that's a stylistic thing, but Tony Blair was able to do it. He was able to tap into, actually, this isn't just a death. This is something that has people going onto the streets and putting flowers out and publicly mourning, which for British people is a big deal, that something significant had happened and it needs to be acknowledged. And I think that that's, that's empathy as well in the sense it's not always I'm missing Diana in that case. It could be now there are two kids who are going to grow up without a mother and that devastates people. And there's, I think, layers to how we feel and respond to an event like that. Lauren, good to chat with you. Uh, I won't muck up your intro next week, I promise. Good, because now I'm going to have to have a bit of a cry and I just want to get myself together before next week. Thanks, Lauren. Chat to you next Thanks, week. Thanks, Lauren. That's Associate Professor Lauren Rosewarn from the University of Melbourne. Joy Drive on Joy 94.9 FM in Melbourne, Joy on your digital radio, iHeartRadio, TuneIn.com or the Joy app. No matter where you are. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.